Welcome to the latest episode of The Chris White Show, a podcast dedicated to helping small to medium-sized business owners and anyone looking to make the entrepreneurial leap. A little about me, your host, Chris White. I'm an entrepreneur based in Brooklyn, New York. I currently own two companies, a boutique digital agency called Sneakers and a staffing and recruiting firm, Rad Hires. Our featured guest this week is a great friend, Alexandra Cohen. Alex is the founder and of ANC Consult, a boutique consulting firm supporting small businesses to grow and scale. After a 15-year career as a litigation attorney in NYC and starting her own firm, Alex left her law practice to move to California for her MBA and MA in international policy and development. While there, she connected with many local businesses and started working with them to create marketing plans, launch new services, and figure out strategies so they could meet their growth goals. Back in NYC, Alex launched ANC Consult to continue supporting businesses both locally and across the U.S. on a larger scale as a small business owner herself. Alex is passionate about helping other founders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners articulate their vision, build intuitive workflows, and develop marketing strategies that connect and convert. You can find out more about her and her business at anc-consult.com and on LinkedIn. The links will be in the post. Thanks so much, Alex, for coming on the show. So excited to have you. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, my pleasure. My pleasure. I uh, I know uh, we've had some really great, uh, passionate one-on-one discussions about business, uh, small businesses, what it's like, the trials and tribulations. I think our listeners are going to just get so many good, juicy nuggets out of this episode. Uh, so I was really excited to have you on the show. I really like to jump in uh, with something inspirational. I think as uh, business owners, we need that. I try to really inspire myself every day. It can be hard. Uh, so I really love this question. You know, what is your favorite success quote? Why is it your favorite? And how do you apply it to your everyday life? So this is actually something that I literally carry around with me every day. Um, really? Oh, yep. It's like in your wallet or something. on my keychain, actually. I've got oh, oh, that's cool. on my keychain in my purse every single day. Oh. Um, it's a nice little reminder. So the, the quote for today is, um, there is no passion to be found in playing small in living a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. And this is um, Nelson Mandela, who clearly has had wow. such a tremendous impact in the world. Mm. Um, but for me, it's a great reminder that even in my small corner of the world, um, it's easy to get complacent or to just get bogged down feeling stuck or afraid to take chances. Mm. And just being able to to really pursue the things that I feel strongly about, that I'm passionate about, um, and take some risks and really try to make a difference in my small corner of the world. Sometimes now, I sometimes I ask myself, like, am I thinking too small about this? Am I not thinking big enough? And um, some of that mentality I get from actually Grant Cardone, who can be a little contentious of a figure. You know, some people, I, I think people either love or hate the guy. But his whole 10x mentality of just like think bigger, you know, stop thinking actually so small. It, yeah, I think you have to think bigger if you want to hit those bigger goals. You may not hit it, you know, you may not always hit that big goal, but at least by thinking bigger, you'll you'll probably hit some bigger goal. You know, you need at least a little bit more than you might if you yeah. take those chances. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. What um, what's the sort of the biggest failure, you know, you've had a, a really interesting career trajectory. Um, you know, what's the biggest failure failure you've had, you know, sort of personally or, you know, at a business level? So kind of along the lines of 
not playing small or taking risks, um, I left a 15 year litigation career in New York City. Mm. And at the time, you know, I grew up with you have a career, you're on that career track, whatever it might be, and you kind of spend your life moving forward and advancing the ball um, in whatever it is that your chosen field is. And when I made the decision to leave law practice, it was a huge deal. It was very much my identity at the time. And there are definitely things wow. that I love about it and miss, but um, it was the right move for me at the time. So I had to get over feeling like it was a failure that I wasn't continuing further along in that. Um, mm. But I had built my law firm and had gotten to the point where I was either going to leave or not. Um, and mm. just make a decision to make a big change in my life. I wound down my practice, um, handed over my cases and moved from New York City to California, went back for grad school, went for an MBA. Um, it just opened up so many opportunities in my life that I can't imagine what things would be like if I hadn't done that. <laughs> was there, what, what was that moment where you, you know, like, like, was there something, you know, where you just got to a point and you said, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, again, so many things that were wonderful about my practice and I loved the clients that I've worked with, but it was also a very highly contentious area of litigation. So it's taking mm. on all the stress and emotions from all of my clients and, I've really, you know, I compartmentalized, but I was never good at leaving everything in the office at the end of the day. So I really uh, carried a lot of it with me, really wanted to do right by my clients and just got to the point where, um, where just the stress of trying to attain that level of perfection in litigation um, kind of had me hit that wall. And I really wanted to just try something new. And I'd always loved international relations. I loved building my business. Um, and just ended up with this really wonderful opportunity to pursue a joint MBA and um, mm -hmm. in international development. Um, yeah. So that combined working with small businesses in California, in my local community, and helping people build small businesses overseas, kind of through the international development and NGOs, mm -hmm. but really connecting with those entrepreneurs in different countries. And wow. It was just so inspiring seeing people's creativity and tenacity and the kind of work that they were doing to support themselves and their families and, you know, follow their visions. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I, it's so much work starting a business, but I, I guess it's a lot of work winding down a business as well. Can you talk about that? I know, you know, we, we didn't prep for that much, but now that we're talking about it, I, I'd like to hear more about that. That, I mean, it sounds like it's actually a pretty like lengthy process, like how much time like f ahead were you thinking, oh, I would need six months or a year to actually wind down like my whole practice? Yeah. Like, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, so for me, it took almost to the day, nine months from the date that I decided to do it until I literally got on the flight to California. Um, wow. It can take a while. And, and interestingly, um, now that you mentioned that it took a huge amount of planning. Um, I'm was a very client-based business. And so I knew my clients very well. So I had to make sure either I wrapped up their cases or made sure they were handed off to another attorney who would, they would feel that they were in good hands. And mm -hmm. so there's a whole kind of process around that. But interestingly, most of the clients I work with now are looking, they come to me looking for exit strategies from their business. Um, mm. So it's, they're either looking to um, sell their business and move on to something else or, wanting to spend more time with their family and less time kind of day to day. And yeah. so having thought through some of that, 
uh, the steps around exiting myself ends up really <laughs> helping me with clients I work with now in a wow. sort of ironic That's, way. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like how the universe weaves its way into your life. That's wild. I would have never thought about that. There's, yeah, I don't, I don't think people appreciate how many, I, I don't know what those clients are, or what their demographic is like, but you know, the stats of how many baby boomers have businesses and are looking to retire, you know, and or sell their business or try to hand it over to family who may or may not want to run it. You know, it's astounding. Like there's so many small business owners who probably over the next 10 years are going to be winding down their business. Maybe that's a key area for your uh, consulting growth. Um, well, it's crazy when we think about business, we think of, you know, Apple or Ford or whatever these large corporations are and, Obviously, there are a lot of Fortune 100s and Fortune 500s, but there's a small business administration stat, something crazy, and I don't remember the exact number, but 80 or 90% of businesses in the U.S. are considered small businesses. And oh, yeah. That's what makes our country run. So, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, I Somehow I grew up, I, I, mean, I don't know, my parents didn't seem to know small business owners really, or maybe they did. Maybe their friends had small businesses, but it just sort of never came up in my world. My dad was more independent musician, so he was kind of his own small business. But I just never grew up kind of knowing parents or people who had small businesses, really. At least it didn't, it wasn't that apparent to me as I was growing up. I, my parents had jobs in the government or, and you know, it was go to college and then try to get a, a job for like a mid-sized, a big company, you know, that was sort of what you were shooting for. The idea of even just starting your own business really wasn't anything that was ever pushed into me or that I grew up around. But as you live, as I live here in Brooklyn, I mean, there's small businesses everywhere. There's not even that many big businesses here. It's all small businesses everywhere, you know? Um, I, I grew up with that. I had, um, both of my parents had their own business. Um, oh. I kid, my Saturdays was going with my mom and my grandfather to their children's clothing store. And that's where, you know, I started learning inventory and how to price things. And really? when I was little ringing up customers and, and customer relationship building and all yeah. of that um, was a lot of fun. And that was my world growing up. My dad wow. went into his family business. He ended up running that until he retired a few years ago. And uh -huh. um, so it was very much what I was exposed to. Um, but then of course went to law school and went the whole law firm route. So it's yeah. a time to kind of get back to that small business, um, entrepreneurship mindset. Yeah. And, and being a lawyer is like running your own mini business. That's a whole nother podcast, but well, what with, uh, with ANC cons, you know, in the early days or, you know, with ANC consult, was there, you know, sort of one of these defining moments where you started to feel things clicking and, you've really like sort of dialed in like who your customers were. I, I call it sort of these Eureka moments. Like, did you have one of those? Like, what, what was that like for you? Sure. And it was probably similar to what my clients experienced. Um, so I started doing this work in 2017, but formally created this consulting firm in um, March of 2020. So pretty much I wow. got the week that New York City and the <laughs> shut down. Oh so my God. What? <laughs> Wow. I didn't know that. I, yep. We never discussed that. Wow. No, um, oh so that was fun. So I've been doing this a little bit and then I was so excited to launch and had all these big plans and the whole world shut down and it turned into, well, I work with small businesses. And so let me see how many people I can work with and help. Um, and it was adjusting my pricing and doing a lot of pro bono work and doing a lot of small projects just to get 
small businesses through how to rethink what they're doing in order to serve their customers and do all of these Mm. things. Mm. It's really been in the last year that I've shifted from small projects for lots of clients to really wanting to have more of a kind of be a partner with my client kind of model, where now it's more like um, strategic consulting as a fractional COO or CMO and helping, mm-hmm. um, helping clients like fewer clients, but longer term, uh, create their operating yep. systems and their marketing plans and really seeing them over mm-hmm. months or a year or more, um, move their needle and hit some of their goals and figure out, um, what their next kind of level that they want to reach is and kind of acting as a partner during that process. So that's been, so wonderful for me. And my Eureka moment has really been that shift over the last bunch of months. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. That's awesome. What, what do you do consistently daily that, you know, you feel sets you apart and makes you successful? I come from a project management kind of background and standpoint where um, I'll have multiple different projects going at one time. And the one thing I do every day is look at all of the different clients that I'm working with, what are short-term and long-term priorities are figuring out um, what we need to get done every day in order to move them forward and really Mm -hmm. just kind of act like that conductor, sometimes with a herd of cats, just taking all of the moving parts and making sure that we're all on the same page, moving in the same direction and really checking off that to-do list every day. I think about that statement (laughs) and, and throw me a bone here. I don't know if this is a stretch, but it sounds like, probably being an attorney, right, was was really a lot of heavy training for that kind of work. I mean, I guess being an attorney, you have to really, you're almost, you're project managing, herding cats, constantly moving the needle forward on a number of different cases simultaneously. Is that like a fair comparison, like to sort of how you used to have to operate as an attorney? Oh, yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, litigation, you have to make sure that you're coordinating motions that you're going into court, making arguments that you're getting all of your discovery together. And my philosophy was always to do everything I had to do to prepare for trial, to litigate, because then we were better positioned to settle. And it's all of that strategic preparation that, um, that I use now, like using, taking a lot of information and figuring out how to communicate that to the people that you are talking to, Mm. um, or it was convincing a judge or other attorneys of certain things. Now it's taking all this information and communicating that to the business owner's target audience and yeah. making sure that you're connecting with them. That's awesome. Who's an entrepreneur you admire or, or, you know, book you love and why that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. So, um, there is a business consultant coach, Pamela Slim, who's absolutely brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked with on and off for years. Um, as I was shifting and thinking about starting my consulting firm and trying to figure out how to go about doing that, I had multiple people in the stretch of a couple of weeks recommend her book at the time called Body of Work, okay. um, which was really amazing <laughs> and talks about how you can have different careers and different things that you're passionate about that you do in your life and how to tie all of that in together and really demonstrate that there's a theme kind of running through everything you do and how to tell mm. that story. Um, and her more recent book is the widest net, which talks about a lot of what I do, how to connect with your audience, how to find the people that you want to talk to, how to really make an impact in your work. Um, and having someone to be able to work with who has a couple decades of experience doing building businesses and figuring out, um, how to create impactful work has just been so inspiring. 
Never heard of her. That's a I'm loving that. I, I definitely will check her check out her body of body of work. And I kind of actually consider this podcast uh, one of the additions to my body of work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to turn into, what will become of it, what it'll do for me. But I, I used to actually have a radio show in college that, and I, I kind of loved that format. And, you know, I've just gotten to love and love the um, topic of small business and really just wanted to pull that together somehow into something. And that's sort of how we came up with the show. Um, what's, uh, you know, so I want to jump in, you know, I want to help, you know, listeners understand more about how you help your customers, you know, the types of things that you see this small businesses struggling with. What's the main thing that separates a six figure business from a seven figure business? Sure. Well, building a six figure business isn't nothing. That's a big accomplishment. Um, I think where some people that I talk to get stuck is there are certain things that you do in order to build that six figure business. And you continue doing that because it's worked up until now. But in order to get to that seven or eight figure business, uh, things have to change because it just won't be sustainable the way you're running it. Oftentimes it's one business owner or a small leadership team doing almost all of the work. And in mm -hmm. order to shift to that seven or eight figure business, you really need a model that supports the ability to scale. And the business owner can't be doing everything themselves. They need to mm -hmm. build out a team. They need to have operating systems that are efficient, that are running like clockwork, but they don't need to be a part of day to day um, and have the business stand independently and be able to function without them there. And so, so creating the kind of operations and then marketing strategy to grow um, and shift from acquiring customer by customer to those larger partnerships or um, marketing strategies, digital strategies, whatever it might be, where you're reaching a larger audience and the customer mm -hmm. acquisition gets a little bit easier. Um, and you might be shifting your services and your delivery of those services. So it's, it's a lot of the business model and the foundational things that worked well up until now that need to change a little bit in order to get to that next level moving forward. Mm. And along, you know, along that line of thinking, what are, what are the one or two biggest mental barriers and, or, you know, sort of habits that, you know, prevent someone from breaking out of that sort of early stage business cycle? I think there are two things. I think it's that feeling stuck and not knowing what to do next. Cause again, you've been doing the same thing for a few years and it's worked well up until now you hear that there are 50 different marketing tactics that you should be doing. Um, the reality is that you don't need to be doing 50 different things. You need to figure out those two or three things to get you to that next level that are the right fits for your business. And then the other piece of this is being in reaction mode. I think at that six figure level, a lot of what you're doing is reacting to circumstances, to competitors, to all kinds of things that are out there in the economic environment, or even issues within your own business. I think changing your mindset from that reactive mindset to more uh, proactive planning, strategic thinking mindset and planning for the next year or three years, knowing that you're not going to hit all of the, the milestones on that list for the next three months or six months and being able to kind of set that longer term goal and vision and mm -hmm. really just doing that day to day. Yeah, I would, I've been trying to get better at not, not necessarily like giving up on a goal if I don't hit it, but knowing like I can, I may have to just extend the timeline for it. You know, maybe, maybe it's just going to take longer for whatever reason. 
than I thought it was. Uh, you know, oh, I didn't sign that one account that seemed like they were going to sign or, you know, whatever it is, I am trying to get better at saying, okay, the goal's not wrong. Maybe I was too aggressive with the timing or maybe I just didn't do the right job marketing to get to that point, but it's still a good goal. I should still, I don't need a new goal. I should still go for that same goal and hopefully I'll get it in a year as opposed to six months or something. But does that, you know, is that something that sort of resonates with you or do you see people trying to change, you know, the goalpost too much on themselves? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. They'll start something and give it a try for a little, like five minutes and it's not working. So they shift to the next thing. And it's mm. really easy to jump from one thing to the other. And the other thing too, living in California briefly, you hear all about the Silicon Valley unicorns. These mm. are, you know, oftentimes tech companies that are these overnight successes with multi-billion dollar valuations in seemingly, you know, 20 days. Um, mm. And first, that's not really the reality. And second of all, that's such a tiny percent of the companies that out that are out there. And so really figuring out um, how to grow the business with more realistic goals, you're still moving the needle. Um, you know, even smaller incremental changes have really outsized impacts longer term. Mm. And so not comparing ourselves to other people, which is a harder thing to do than to say, um, that's something that I think we can often get stuck with. Yeah, there's a guy I follow. I read his newsletter. He's on Twitter. He, he's he's just prolific. This guy, Nick Nick Huber. Have you ever heard of him? No. He owns. Um, he basically owns storage facilities, and he okay. buys he buys them and like modernizes them. But he is huge on this. Like he is just like, why are you out there trying to chase this one in a million kind of idea? You know, as a startup, when there's so many profitable small businesses, you know, that you can run or start, you know, it's the whole premise is like, you know, you don't need to be a Silicon Valley, you know, uh, mega billion dollar unicorn to be a successful business. And like you said, a lot of most of what drives this country is small to medium sized businesses, but he, he harps on that kind of stuff constantly. You know, he talks about, he was like, I, I went to business school everybody there tried these crazy ideas. I went and did like really basic stuff with storage facilities. Like I'm here still doing my thing. They all went and got jobs. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. We yeah. need storage facilities. I mean, we yeah. need it yeah. in our daily lives. So, yeah. Um, so for somebody who doesn't even have a, you know, a business or they're just at that ideation stage, they feel there's something there. Maybe they want to do it on the side or, you know, maybe they're looking to really make a career change or they have the financial means to quit their job and go for it. You know, what's, you know, what's the key, like one or two things that you would sort of give advice to somebody to get it off the ground and get that initial six figures? Sure. So it's a, another quote that I really like and has been oh. kind of hard one knowledge is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good enough. Mm. It's really easy to want everything to be exactly perfect, 110%. Um, I think more it's more important to get it to that 80 or 90% because everyone else will think you're at 100% and just go and do it. And so if there's something that you're dying to try and you have this great idea, you can be conservative. You don't have to leave your nine to five job. You can build out the business on the side, take on one or two clients, test it out, see what works. And then eventually, you know, figure out how much revenue you need to generate before you're comfortable going all in. Or if you are, 
more comfortable with risk and do you want to go all in right away? Fantastic. Make sure you're building out and taking time on the foundations of the business. Make sure mm. that you've got um, people supporting you if you need that. Uh, make sure you have some of the platforms and software in place to help you so you're not doing everything by hand every time. There are a lot of little tricks and tips on um, just creating automated, efficient systems from the get-go that will make your life just so much easier going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I started using some virtual assistants and that's been a big game changer for me. I'm still trying to improve on that. I, I don't have anybody managing like my inbox and calendar yet. That would be like, you know, the, the, the main uh, reason I'd eventually want to have a VA like doing all that stuff too. But uh, it's, it's definitely been useful to be able to take a, a lot of busy work off of my plate, but I still feel like there's so much I'm not, not delegating that I should be. Um, I, I want mean, to talk. Too. Oh, sorry. Good. No, me too. All of us. And there are still easy ways. You don't have to hand off your calendar to make the whole scheduling process easier. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anything that cuts down emails back and forth, trying to find dates and times that work and plugging it into a scheduling app and you've already saved yourself time every day. Yeah. Yeah. That time adds up. It's, it's stuff. What, um, I, I like talking business finance a little bit. And so uh, I wanted to get your perspective on, you know, what, what types of like, let's say profit margins percentage wise, you know, like gross profit margins, net profit, do you typically see in a six figure business versus a seven figure business? I think with the six figure business, um, oftentimes the owner or a couple of people are still trying to do everything themselves. I think once you shift that to a seven figure business, you're looking at expanding your team. So your overhead might go up initially some, but um, it really positions you longer term to to just really take advantage of those economies of scale, to have mm. team members who are experts at certain areas and doing things that they do well and having the owner and leadership team focusing on sort of the, the big picture, um, moving forward vision, business development, that kind of thing, or doing the implementation they really like doing. As far as margins, it really varies business to business. I work mostly with service-based professionals. And so product-based, clearly you've got cost of goods sold. Your margins are going to be completely different. Um, When I was running my law firm, you know, we always used to have the rule of thirds. And so the idea was that whatever revenue you're billing Mm -hmm. that's coming in, a third of that should cover overhead, um, you know, rent, insurance, whatever that might be. A third would cover employees, paralegals, all of the support staff that you have. And then a third would go towards what we know of as those net profit margins. Like that would be owner's equity or mm-hmm. the actual profits of the business. Mm. Obviously that's different with every business. Um, some require very little overhead or, you know, products or inventory. And so margins can be significantly higher than that. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's figuring out the the profit versus the revenue. So as you're growing revenue, um, you know, a million dollar business that has 50% profit margin is very different than having lower six figure revenue, but having a profit margin that lets you bring home a lot more at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So keeping those two things in mind and knowing what your own needs are and goals are is going to be really important in figuring out how to how to do the financial projections and what yeah. your what you're aiming for. 
I love that. I love that rule of thirds. I've never heard. I mean, I feel, I feel like just even having some basic heuristic to start is, is great. I, um, it's a book called profit first. Have you read, you know, I was just about to mention that that's another great one. Yeah. And you know, that, that I think has a lot of good nuggets around, you know, how to manage, you know, the financial aspects uh, of the biz. But I, I, I don't know. I definitely got to take you out for a coffee and have you look at my numbers and help me get to my rule of thirds uh, for sure. Yeah. I'm um, I always have fun doing that. So yeah. <laughs> um, starting and running a small business is stressful. And so for any business owners out there who are struggling or, or even depressed, you know, a, a lot of business owners, you're alone a lot of times running your own business, especially if you're not in business groups. What's your number one piece of advice to help somebody get unstuck? Yeah. Um, take a break and phone a friend. Yeah. Simplistic, but if you're in your business 24 seven, you don't have that distance. You're, you're always, you don't have that perspective. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in all of the things that are going wrong and how to solve the next problem. Um, yeah. We all need to recharge. We need to take a break. We need to step outside. When you're doing something else, it gives you the time to rest, recharge. But that's where the creativity happens, I think. That's when some of the um, solutions can just pop up. Um, and I think talking to friends, other business owners, having a network of colleagues that you can just bounce ideas around with. Um, you know, you might've experienced a challenge in your business a year ago, and I'm just running into that same problem now. And when we start comparing notes on things, all of a sudden it'll open up the door to a whole lot of new options and solutions for both of us potentially. Mm -hmm. So really building out that network or your, you know, personal advisory council, or just talking to friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's all. That's yeah. I think I, I, I look back at certain times and my wife has a subtle way of just sort of getting me to take breaks and I didn't always appreciate it. Or I think even know, I have, I don't know. I kind of have to ask her. I'm pretty sure she was doing it consciously because she knows I can be like a workaholic and she would force us to go places, travel and like do things. And I look back and I'm thankful for it, you know, but at the time I would say like, I don't have time for that. Like, what are you talking about? But you know, she, she really was adamant about like kind of having these creative ways for me to take breaks, you know, and, or, or I like to roller skate like Sundays. I like going roller skating. Like that's sort of my break. She, and she even knows like, if I don't go, like I'm pretty cranky, like I got to go skate, like unwind, like forget about my work and get recharged kind of, you know, for the week. So I love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it really is amazing especially on a Sunday or, you know, right before you're going to go into your week to not think about work for a while is, is good. Um, you know, I wanted to sort of wrap up the episode. I wanted to dive into a success story. I want, I really want to help our listeners understand, and especially any small business owners out there understand how you help your clients. I know it's been a rough few years for a lot of small businesses, especially with COVID and then, I don't know, more recently with, you know, sort of the interest rates and, you know, the cooling off of the economy in certain sectors, can you, you know, shine a light on a success story you've had for one of your like six figure consulting clients? You know, what was their situation before working with you? How did you come up with a winning strategy for them? And, you know, what did the end result look like? Yep. Um, So one of my favorite clients a couple of years ago built this really amazing, probably mid 
six-figure business um, with a large network of um, contractors and consultants that would do all of the service, the work implementation, but was really struggling with managing six different systems for each particular client. And so mm-hmm. we, um, we took the time to do some, what I always find to be fun, workflow mapping, figuring out all of the, the pieces of his business from his sales process to his um, service delivery to his invoice payments, and really just reimagined it so that we got rid of the bottlenecks. We figured out where all of the extra time was going into and just created these streamlined systems where there were just sure. easy steps. There was an, uh, we created an operating manual um, so he could onboard more team members. And at the end of like three months or so, um, he was hiring more um, consultants with ease and having a standard process to onboard them. Um, he was invoicing clients in an automated way rather than sending invoices, you know, person by person, paying mm-hmm. his consultants more easily using one system. Um, and was really positioned to start thinking about marketing strategy and acquiring more clients and acquiring other small businesses. Um, so that was wow. just really fun for me. And with the larger seven-figure clients I work with, it's sometimes similar creating those streamlined systems, but creating marketing plan um, that really focuses on their strengths and their mm-hmm. goals and making sure everyone on their team is on the same page and invested in, in the outcomes and part of that whole process. Uh, I'm really looking at more longer term scaling and, and growth. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. I, you know, again, I, I want to definitely get together with you uh, for coffee, uh, hit up Barnes and Noble again in the next couple of weeks going into 2024, you know, I'm looking to grow and scale more like my staffing business and stuff. And so definitely would love to go over some things with you. I think I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I think uh, so many people are going to get a lot of value out of this for anybody who has a small business and is looking for help. You got to talk to Alex, even if it's just for a consultative call. Uh, I think you're amazing. And I love that you're helping uh, other small business owners. Thank you so much again for today. This was so much fun. And you're also so wonderful connecting small businesses and really making sure that they're growing the way they need to as well. So thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. See you soon. Take care.